Welcome back to The Landscape, your show about America's parks and public lands. I'm Kate Gretzinger at the Center for Western Priorities in Denver. And I'm Aaron Weiss. Kate, it is great to have you here in the office with us here in Denver this week. <laughs> Thanks. It's great to be here, although I wish I'd packed some warmer clothes because it's pretty cold outside. You know, I'm not complaining. You finally brought fall with you. It, uh, I'm, I'm ready for some 60 and 70 degree days. Uh, just in time, in fact, for National Public Lands Day, which is coming up on Saturday, September 24th. So in honor of that, we are going to hear from the CEO of Vet Voice Foundation here today, one of the groups that is calling on President Biden to use his power under the Antiquities Act to protect public lands in Colorado and declare a new national monument at Camp Hale and the Continental Divide. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about the news. Right. So after weeks of hearing rumors about it, we finally have the text of Senator Joe Manchin's permitting reform bill. It is more or less what we expected. It would set a two-year time limit on environmental reviews of major projects under the National Environmental Policy Act, plus set a 150-day statute of limitations for groups to file lawsuits over those projects. It also calls for the government to maintain a list of 25 energy projects that are, quote, in the national interest and requires that at least five of those be fossil fuel projects. So let's set aside the question of whether any new fossil fuel projects are ever actually in the national interest at this point. That list, at the end of the day, wouldn't actually make anything happen, as far as I can tell from my read of the bill. We will talk to NEPA experts in the coming weeks to dive into why some projects take longer than others to review. How does NEPA work? Why does reviews take as long as they do? But the question right now is what happens to this bill? Senator Manchin is determined to attach it to a continuing resolution, that is to say, a bill that just keeps the government running. And that is a sure sign that your bill doesn't have legs to stand up on its own. Right. Republicans in the Senate have their own bill to boost oil and gas companies, and they're definitely not eager to help Manchin out after he gave Democrats a political win on the Inflation Reduction Act, a.k.a. the climate bill. And dozens of Democrats in the House say they never agreed to a deal to pass Manchin's bill. Congressman Jared Huffman, a climate hawk who is literally an environmental attorney, is already saying he will not vote for a continuing resolution if Manchin's bill is attached. Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia says he's also a hard no because the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which would bring natural gas from West Virginia to Virginia, is deeply unpopular with his constituents. Kaine also says he wasn't consulted about the deal and he'll do, quote, everything I can to oppose it. I'm not in the prediction business, but... Clearly, the prospects for Manchin's bill don't look great right now. I just don't see how it gets to 60 votes in the Senate while also reaching a majority in the House. Senator Manchin says he will shut down the government if he doesn't get his pipeline. So something's got to give here by the end of the month when government funding expires. I, this is one of these, I guess we will just see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Right. Hopefully our national parks don't all shut down like last time. Oh, boy. <laughs> but we'll definitely have a podcast on that if that no happens. No kidding. Yep. Okay. Well, um, lots to watch there. So let's move on to our interview. Our guest today is the CEO of Vet Voice Foundation, a group that mobilizes veterans to have a voice in American democracy. Janessa Goldbeck was a combat engineer officer in the Marine Corps 
managing explosives disposal in support of NATO operations. Now, she is focused on bringing veterans into the conversation on issues ranging from voting rights to disinformation to public lands conservation. And that, of course, is why she is on the phone with us ahead of National Public Lands Day, which is coming up this Saturday, September 24th. Janessa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. We've talked about the CORE Act on this podcast for several years. That's a big conservation bill for Colorado. It's been in the works for more than a decade. The top line number on that bill would protect more than 400,000 acres of public lands in Colorado. And the anchor of that bill, more or less, is Camp Hale. It's high up on the Continental Divide. It has quite the history going back to World War II. Can you walk us through that history at Camp Hale? Yeah, absolutely. So the Camp Hale Continental Divide National Monument would be made up of two areas, Camp Hale and the 10-mile range. And those are areas that Colorado's congressional delegation has been working to protect for years. Um, Camp Hale played a vital role in the training of the 10th Mountain Division for Alpine warfare during World War II, and it was a really important part of the birth of the ski economy in Colorado. Ten Mile Range, on the other hand, was central to Camp Hale's training regiments. It also includes Quandary Peak, one of the most climbed of the famed 14ers in Colorado, and a section of the Continental Divide, which is the geologic boundary along the Rocky Mountains separating the eastern and western watersheds of the United States. So it's an important um, military, uh, it's, a, it's important from a military history perspective. It's important to many area veterans and military families. Um, and, you know, there are just a few surviving 10th Mountain Division veterans left. So it's a really incredible um, opportunity to protect this landscape for, for future generations and also honor those living veterans while we still have them with us. So the Corps Act included Camp Hale and the 10-mile range along the Continental Divide there. That bill has passed the House a bunch of times and always gotten stuck in the Senate. And then in the last few months, we saw its sponsors, including both of Colorado's senators, as well as Governor Polis, make a pivot, calling now for President Biden to step in and use the Antiquities Act to protect Camp Hale as a national monument, while still pushing eventually for that legislation. What is your take on this this move towards uh, asking President Biden to, to step in with the Antiquities Act? Well, as you mentioned, the CORE Act has passed the House of Representatives five times, but has stalled in the Senate um, every time since then. And so I think that the uh, delegation and the lead sponsors, Senator Bennett and Representative Nagus, have recognized that um, while we continue to push for the CORE Act to pass in its entirety, there's also an opportunity to work with the Biden administration uh, to designate this as a national monument via the Antiquities Act, and that's something the president can do uh, without, you know, needing all of Congress to pass legislation. Uh, the Biden administration has put forward an initiative known as the America the Beautiful Initiative, which aims to protect 30 percent of America's lands and waterways by the year 2030. And a big part of that initiative includes designating more national monuments. Um, but the designating a national monument is, is something that requires uh, diverse community support, congressional support, uh, decision maker, local decision makers, uh, business owners, et cetera. 
And so, um, you know, finding areas that sort of meet all of those criteria and are ready for designation um, is the work of the conservation advocacy community and uh, has been the work of advocates locally in Colorado for many years. So we're now at the point where, um, you know, everyone is on board and excited for Camp Hale to be designated. And I think that pivot reflects the reality of, of Congress and knowing that the Biden administration is, is eager to make some of these protections permanent. You mentioned that the, the request to President Biden is not just Camp Hale itself, but the, the landscape surrounding it, including the 10-mile the range, uh, Mount Quandry. Why is that important from both a historic perspective and a conservation perspective, that, that the designation not just be limited to, to what, was, what is left of Camp Hale, which, as I understand, is, is not a whole lot that's actually there? Yeah, well, I think the, you know, intent is to designate as much as possible um, in order to protect as much as possible for future generations and, you know, to help get the administration closer to their goal of conserving 30 percent of our nation's lands and waterways by that that goal of 2030. Uh, So I think there's sort of this idea that, um, you know, not only are all these lands, are all of these areas sort of tied together um, from an, an ecological perspective in terms of the, the animals uh, and wildlife that lives there and, and traverses between them, uh, but also because of the shared sort of military history. A, a lot of the uh, folks who are veterans that we work with in Colorado have talked about how they use this landscape to uh, unwind and recreate with their families after returning from overseas, whether that's on a deployment or uh, for training exercises. Um, It's also a place where folks who have experienced um, a moral injury from their time in service can come and um, unwind, reflect, and, and find peace. So it's a really important landscape for many, many reasons, and I believe that is why there's an effort to protect it. Can you explain a bit more? What what is that connection for soldiers returning from combat, experiencing trauma or or other 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 moral injuries? Why why is the outdoors important as part of that recovery? Well, I personally have not served in combat, so I I won't speak on behalf of um, my fellow service members who, who who may have experienced that, but. What I've heard directly from veterans who have been part of this campaign for for many years um, and are are so excited to see it designated is that it's a place of spiritual reflection. And um, I think anyone who's experienced trauma of any kind or or lived through um, a particularly hard time in their life understands inherently the, the healing power of nature, being able to be outside and breathe clean air and see beautiful scenery kind of reminds us of why life is worth living. And uh, for me, I grew up right on the Pacific Ocean um, in, in California. And looking out at an endless horizon line of, of the ocean really gives you perspective on life and sort of the scale of your, your own problems. Uh, the same is true standing, you know, at the base of a, a beautiful mountain range. And so I think that's incredibly important for, for our veterans and military families. One of the most interesting bits of history that is attached to Camp Hale and the 10th Mountain Division is actually after the war. And these veterans who returned having this experience training at altitude, skiing at altitude, 
uh, deployed then at altitude is they came back from the war and in many ways are responsible for the entire ski industry that we know and depend on across certainly up and down the Rockies today. Can you walk through that connection and how that happened with some of these veterans? That's right. Well, so during World War II, when uh, soldiers were training there to uh, learn how to navigate an alpine terrain, uh, many of them, you know, this is their first time on skis, and like those who returned, you know, found it thrilling, just as we do today. And so many of them actually returned to launch what became the modern ski industry um, out of the out of out of Colorado. So it's a really uh, important part of Colorado's recreation economy. And I think telling that story through a national monument designation that really highlights the role um, these folks had in creating this uh, industry in Colorado is really important. And today, you know, one in five veterans is actually uh, involved in the outdoor recreation industry in some way. Um, There are a a number of veterans who are uh, who are who work for the Department of the Interior. So the crossover is, uh, you know, generations long, and I think really important to highlight. Let's talk about this event that is coming up uh, this Saturday, the the twenty fourth Public Lands Day. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast after September twenty fourth, sorry you missed it. Uh, but Janessa, go ahead, walk us through uh, what is happening uh, and why everyone is getting together uh, coming up this weekend. Sure. Well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great event uh, or series of events. I'm I'm very excited to be uh, on the ground in in Colorado for this day. Um, so it will include veterans, military family members, elected officials, um, community members, and representatives of organizations who've been working on this campaign for a number of years. Uh, there will be a uh, hike taking place on the mountain, as well as a press conference with uh, various represent local elected officials. Um, there's going to be opportunities to hear from veterans who actually served at Camp Hale, um, as well as those who um, served in combat and use Camp Hale now as a place to, to recreate and reflect, as we, as we talked about earlier. So it's just going to be an incredible way to learn about the history um, of the landscape, to really understand uh, you know, uh, more about it. And I would certainly encourage folks who haven't been out yet to to join um, for a four-mile moderate hike to Cataract Falls. That's going to happen around 10 a.m. Um, and hopefully we can put some of the, the information on how to, how to sign up and where to go in your show notes. We definitely will do that. There's a link there yeah, in the show notes for the, the full schedule, where to go uh, and what to meet up for, and probably some, some beer afterwards, too, I suspect. I think so. <laughs> Is there a bigger message for the Biden administration right now beyond Camp Hale Continental Divide when it comes to public lands and veterans? Absolutely. There are, um, as I mentioned, efforts underway across the country to protect public lands uh, permanently and to support the America the Beautiful initiative. And in fact, um, on Public Lands Day, we will be releasing a report that actually outlines Uh, 10 different places around the country that are important to veterans and military families that deserve, uh, that we believe deserve permanent protection through monument designation. And that includes places like Kastner Range outside of El Paso, Texas, uh, Viquame, which is in Nevada, um, obviously Camp Hale, and then a number of others around the country, um, including the Grand Canyon, which many people are surprised Mm -hmm. to learn is not already a national monument. So, 
you know, we, we see protecting public lands, conservation as part of our patriotic duty. We, you know, donned a uniform to protect our country, protect our country overseas. And um, this fight is, is important to us as well and something that we'll be engaged on for, um, you know, as long as we can be. Yeah, we've, we've certainly talked about that uranium threat to the greater Grand Canyon area before on the podcast. We'll link to some of our, our previous material on that as well, uh, if that's coming as news to you uh, as you listen to this. Um, Janessa Goldbeck, CEO of VetVoice Foundation, thank you so much for your time uh, and look forward to seeing what happens this Saturday uh, up at Camp Hale for National Public Lands Day. Thanks so much, Aaron. We've got some very good news today to close out the episode. Last week, the Interior Department announced new guidance to expand tribal co-management of federal lands, waters, and wildlife. This guidance is a follow-up to commitments made by the Interior Department and other agencies during November's White House Tribal Nations Summit last year. The BLM, NPS, and Fish and Wildlife all released policy memorandums with specific measures on how each department will collaborate with tribes. This is really big news. Tribes have fought for years to play a role in decision-making on federal lands, and this new guidance will actually give them a powerful voice in the management of the lands they were wrongfully removed from. And that's not to mention all the challenges we're facing right now around fire management, wildlife, water management, climate change. We really need these Indigenous voices to weigh in on management right now. We just don't have the answers, and, you know, a lot of them probably do. I, this is a just a very exciting announcement. Uh, and I think really indicative of what finally is happening with the first ever Indigenous Interior Secretary acknowledging we need to look to Indigenous knowledge for how we manage our public lands. Right, and the first um, Indigenous NPS director yeah, as well. So very much. great people in the driver's seat there. And that is it for this episode of The Landscape. As always, you can find me and Kate on Twitter, or you can send us email, podcast at westernpriorities.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please send it to a friend, or even better, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us right now. On behalf of the whole team at the Center for Western Priorities, thanks again to Janessa Goldbeck for joining us. I'm Aaron Weiss. And I'm Kate Gretzinger. Thank you for listening to The Landscape.